Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here with Tom and Ed. What is going on, fellas? What's up, players? Another week in the world of R&B, and there's plenty of us, plenty for us to yell about today. It's been a weird week. What's up, guys? What's going on? Not much. I actually just came across a uh, an ad from KFC, and I need you guys to confirm it because this sounds like an American thing. And maybe we've talked about it before, but is it true that at KFC you can just get chicken skin? Like deep fried chicken I, skin? I don't know if that's true. I've seen that ad, but I have not seen it from like a reputable source. So I don't know if that's meme stuff or if that's oh, God. Although to be honest, I might go get a box of chicken skins. Oh. Um, Tom, would you eat it? For anyone, first of all, it is anyone, who, anyone who listens to this podcast... I would love to hear people what they want to hear, any food they think we should discuss, because it might be more interesting than talking about chicken every week on here and different variations of chicken. So that's my opinion. <laughs> All right. Variations of chicken. <laughs> well, shout outs to chicken. Uh, guys, we have a lot to talk about in, um, in R&B this week. But as promised, I told everyone that I was going to lay off of Summer Walker until I went to her concert so I could give a full-on review. Because as you guys know... Over the last couple of weeks, she's been criticized for not showing any enthusiasm while she's performing, um, not showing any love to the fans during the meet and greet. But Tom, Ed, I said, you know what? Let me actually go to the show before I say anything. The show in Vancouver was last Friday. Shout out to Randy from Interscope for hooking us up with some tickets. And can I give you my honest thoughts on this concert, guys? I am waiting to hear these. Um, so, uh, the concert didn't happen. Summer Walker canceled, like, half of her tour, so I can't give you the answer, guys. Oh, my goodness. That was the build-up that we got. We got the (laughs) build-up for that. Yeah. (laughs) So, guys, let me break it down to you guys. She went on Instagram and announced that, due to her social anxiety, she will no longer continue with the tour aside from some spot dates. Funny enough, the spot dates are all the major cities in the States. Mm. New York, Boston, uh, I think Toronto's on it as well, Philly, uh, Atlanta. So guys, first of all, Tom, aren't you happy that she's finally taking care of herself and she's canceling her tour and she's, you know, just doing her own thing for now? Oh, come on. Are you setting me up to go off here, Kyle? Serious question. I'm asking the question. I'm the host. (laughs) If someone was taking care of themselves, they'd cancel the whole tour not just leave the major dates they probably didn't sell well in freaking vancouver you might have been the only one in there for all we know well that's my opinion well actually i think it was sold out but i get your point but ed let's go to you why are the major cities still on here i thought we were taking care of our mental health here please we are taking care of the mental pockets here because that's first and (laughs) foremost I don't know what's going on with old girl. Let me clarify this because your boy has been getting beat up from between her and some of these other fans out here. Because as you know, and listeners of the podcast may remember that when Summer Walker's issues first came up, I was quite vocal about how ridiculous they were. Not the issues themselves, but her reaction as far as the fans reaction to some things. And that was quick because we live in this triggered social media era where it's kind of like we got to cancel everybody and fuss let me break things down for the children if she as tom said wanted to cancel to take care of her mental health 
That's one thing. If she wanted to cancel the smaller shows and keep the bigger venues, that sounds to me like either they didn't sell well and she's trying to get out of it, or she's just halfway canceling it, but not trying to cancel everything because she's messing up everybody's money. And Lord knows we can't mess up anybody's money. And that goes back to my larger point with Ms. Walker. This whole thing where she gets on stage and checks her iPhone instead of performing and she doesn't perform on stage and meet and greets and she's not paying people any attention. And then we have fans saying, oh, well, she doesn't owe you anything. Player, she literally owes you. If you pay money to see an artist, you owe them that taught that opportunity, whether it's performing, singing, meeting, hugging, saying hello, whatever. If she wants to take care of her health, I ain't mad. Cancel the whole thing. But you kept picking and choosing cancellations and you keeping the biggest venues smelling fishy to me. Hold on. Kyle. Kyle, Hold I hate on, to say Tom. this, but you're part of the problem. problem here. Why am I part of the problem? You're giving more attention to this this singer every single week when we could be talking about people like Eric Benet and Kenny Lattimore instead. Listen. <laughs> Who is it that I wants sympathize. Kenny Lattimore on the podcast? That's one of our listeners wants that very badly. Yes, they do. But listen, I sympathize with the young singer because Ed, you're going on about how she took out her phone during the concert to to Snapchat somebody. I'm willing to bet all of us at some point during work take out our phones. To text each other. Why can't we give Summer Walker a pass? We do the same thing. <laughs> you know why? Because somebody did not pay $400 or whatever it is to come sit at my desk and stare at me. <laughs> if I'm in the corner doing what I'm doing, I can send a text to Kyle and say, listen to this album is trash. Hmm. But if you are on stage entertaining millions or whatever, probably several dozen if they went to Vancouver the way these ticket sales sounded. But the point <laughs> is... If you are the star of the show, if your whole reason for being is to entertain and you don't feel like entertaining, get another job, homie. And I am not discrediting her mental issues, but between the terrible performances and them dry vocals, this ain't for you, homie. Hmm. Well, guys, I have a more general question if we want to lay off my girl Summer for a second. Two-part question here. Number one, how much of it do you put on the artist, such as a summer, for all of this that's going on? And how much of it do you put on the label? Because the second part of my question is, with this whole Instagram uh, era of, of singers that are taking place, that are being discovered, artist development is definitely out the window because everyone's just looking at the number of followers. No one's developing these acts but shouldn't some accountability be put on the ceos and the vps of these companies and these managers yes 100 percent, it should be on them because listen you can't get mad if tom knows this he has a very small child if the if a baby walks in the room and throws up all over your jays i mean you can be upset but it's a baby you should have left the jays in the floor to be thrown up on there's some adult accountability here and that is what we're not getting from labels because what labels are doing is they're just finding who's hot in these Twitter streets, throwing them up, talent or not, because we can always make do with some auto tuning and some hyping and some ridiculous stats that'll praise whatever. But we aren't looking to develop long term artists anymore. So that's why we don't have time for artist development because we have to strike while the hashtags are hot. 
and we don't have time for an artist. We've heard many stories about artists, especially from like the 90s and the 80s, kind of being not really on the back burner, but kind of taking their time in the studio for a couple years before they get out, whether they're doing background or they're like writing or just learning the business. We don't have time for that anymore. Everything is now, now, now. So these labels throw these folks out here to the literally to the wolves in some cases because they're getting torn to shreds. And they just aren't ready. I put it on the labels more so than the artists. These, I mean, these artists are like barely twenty. How would they know? Yeah, I mean, shame on the VP of A and R for Interscope Records for forcing Summer Walker to take her cell phone out. She wouldn't have known any better, right? Wow, Tom. It's artist development. Even that. Is <laughs> Come on, that's proper <laughs> etiquette, guys. Anyone would know that. Get out of here. No, you're right. You're not wrong. Like, that's a different story. Like, of course, you would know not to pull out your freaking phone. But again, there are people around these people that would be like, this girl ain't ready to be on stage. I can listen to her music until she ain't ready for prime time. And if I can do it, Lord knows they can, but they won't because it's messing up their money. That's why they're dragging her to New York and Philly to fulfill these dates. It's messing up their money. They don't care. So, yes, there's some accountability on her end, but overall for her career, don't hire a chump if they lie like a chump. Guys, we got to get the bag. So, Summer Walker will be playing in New York. Tom, will you be attending? Absolutely. I wasn't going to attend regardless, and definitely not now, so. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> you, well, I will say this. Um, I'll say this, Kyle, because the... The hypocrisy has been killing me these last couple days. So Lauren Hill has come out with a new song, which I actually enjoy. And there have been many people of the earlier generation, I'll just put it like that, who have been so critical of Lauren because, and rightfully so, because she half shows up and we know her issues about tardiness and people are still coming to her shows. And we see so many people say, wow, oh, why would you spend your money on Lauren Hill when you know she's not going to show up? And these yep. same fans are throwing the same excuses. Oh, but it's let her just be who she is. Oh, she shouldn't have to entertain us. Oh, she shouldn't have to be. That's just who she is. She's talking about the same foolishness about realigning her chakras before she gets on stage that Lauren is. Just keep the same energy on both sides is what I'm saying. Well, yep. I agree. I mean, I mean, that's what it is, guys. Listen, if you're going to pay money and you're willing to accept them showing up late, giving performances that are not up to par, that's on you. But guys, we enjoy music with standards, performances with standards, so we're going to stick with that. Um, a project that came out last week that had the internet buzzing, and for a lot of different reasons, the reason why I was going nuts over it was because of the album art, my girl Ashanti was on Tory Lane's new album slash mixtape, Chick Tape 5. A lot of interesting features on here, Tom. A lot of your favorite songs from the 2000s. Jagged Edge was on it. Slim from 112 was on it. Trigger Trey, Chris Brown, Mario, Ashanti, Snoop Dogg. The list goes on and on. Tom, I'm going to break down what happened here. Tory Lane sampled songs from the 2000s and put the artist on the song. That's pretty brilliant, isn't it? I'm going to break down what happened for you guys. 
a week ago we please were dissing do. this guy for not even being able to sing. Next thing I know, I wake up in the morning and I see this music on on you know I got soul dot com. I thought we were hijacked or hacked or something. Come to find out, Kyle was going nuts for some reason. I'm still not going to listen to it, and it's not brilliant, and I do not support. Well, I listened to it, so I can I, let me let me just speak for my man Tom here, because I think this is one of the few times we're going to be in agreement. There is so much hype over this karaoke sounding mixtape, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I love that we have gotten to a place where there have been so many, and Tom, you know this, there have been so many people who have criticized our generation for, oh, y'all hang on nostalgia. You just love the 90s. You don't give anything a chance, and everything that comes out of the 90s is great, and blah, blah, blah. And now that we are in the 2000s where that is nostalgia, 20 years, man, we're old. Now we're seeing those fans doing the same thing. Oh, it's got a song that I remember from high school is automatically great. Let me tell you something, Blair. This thing ain't great. What this album is, is Tory Lanez co-opted a bunch of samples that you remember. So let's say Ashanti's Foolish. He quote unquote sings over this. I don't know what's up with your man's vocals. He sounds like he is literally holding his nose while he's singing because something stinks. So he's doing this weird thing over these beats that you remember and you love it because you love the old songs. It's just like the Summer Walker song from her last album that had the Usher sample. And Usher was on it. And people were going crazy. It's the best song. Because it's, it reminds me of old Usher. Of course. He's singing on an old Usher song. And then Usher comes on it and does his Usher thing. That's why you like it. So you like this because Ashanti is singing over an old Ashanti beat with some new stuff. Tori brings absolutely nothing to any of these songs. Nothing, I could be singing on them. He brings nothing. <laughs> so we are excited because... These are old memories that are coming back. These songs ain't good. It's just a big old nostalgia trip. And that's fine for what it is, but y'all are not going to tell me that this two-star, one-and-a-half-star album I heard was good because oh. it was awful. Ow. That's rough. Well, I took away this from the project because I was very excited to see all of my favorites on there, Lloyd included. I got to the Mario song. And it just reminded me of how crappy R&B vocals are in 2019. Because when Tory Lanez, I guess, sang his part and then Mario came in, Mario sounded like freaking Stevie Wonder out there. Yes, he <laughs> did. That's another. Steve. Even and even Ashanti sounded halfway competent because the barman lowered so much. Like, these dudes sound like, it's like little brother singing next to big brother. And big brother outclasses him in every single way. This dude sounds so totally out of his element. Let, let me let me break something down for you guys. I had this revelation recently. We're nearly three years from the day that Bruno Mars released 24K Magic, that album. And you know all the hype that was around that. You know, it may or may not be R&B yet. I'm not sure. But anyway. Oh, here we go with that. I, I can say with full confidence now looking back in three years, no one really even tried to emulate that sound or that didn't influence the sound at all we we thought it might when it came out we thought that might influence others but if you look at mainstream r&b and and nothing even followed that direction do you guys agree i agree and i was with you i thought that that would kind of kind of kick in because we all i thought that and this kind of i think that it kind of follows my train of thought but just not in the way that i thought 
because we are of a generation that loves nostalgia. And I thought that him introducing that at that point in time where 90s nostalgia was starting to kick up, I thought we were going to get a whole bunch of New Jack Swing knockoffs. Mm -hmm. But instead, the nostalgia has kind of kicked up. So now the nostalgia has gone from 90s to 2000s. So it almost kind of leapfrogged my man. So while I do agree, we were right that there was going to be a nostalgia wave. It just wasn't a New Jack nostalgia wave. Yep, exactly what I was trying to say. So basically what we're waiting for is the next wave of someone working with the Neptunes, so then that nostalgia wave will come in. <laughs> Can we confirm this? It's coming. It's coming. I can't wait. And it'll be I Pharrell mean, it, producing is it, it. Is it possible Tory Lanez and, and Jacquees are so young they don't even know what New Jack Swing is? They probably weren't even around for that era. They were born in the 90s, right? Of, of course they wouldn't know. Uh, you would think, and we kind of went, who was that? Was the um, was that LMA? Who was it that didn't know who Aretha Franklin was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that was. Well, I think that, again, if you take this industry seriously, especially your old fake king like Jacquees and some kind of music historian, it should be on you to go back and look and at least have a working knowledge of it. I'm not saying you need to know the entire discography of the Whitehead Brothers. But you should at least know <laughs> the, the high the points brothers. of New Jack Swing. I mean, you should know what it is and be able to have a decent conversation about it. Because if this is your industry, then you need to know about it. But no, it wouldn't surprise me if they never knew with New Jack Swing. They think that's a movie with um, Ice Cube. I mean, Ice T in it. They wouldn't know. Oh, jeez. Hmm. Right. Well, I got a question for you guys. So I'm looking at Tory Lane's discography. He's only 27 years old. Jacquees is 25, and they're in that discussion for King of R&B, for better or for worse. And Ed, I know you had your two cents on it. You crowned Daniel Caesar the king. But here's a question for you guys. Whatever happened to August Alsina? I know he's been ill, and he has some autoimmune disorder going on, but man, he really just disappeared. Well, he, like, um, who's the trap soul guy? Bryson Tiller. Yes, that whole bunch. I just, I know they came and there was like all this hype around them. I don't know, y'all. Not to be Mr. Negative. Huh, I know me be Mr. Negative. But not to be Mr. Negative, but I just did not see lasting power in these dudes. So he came and went like I thought he would. I thought he'd hang around a year and a half, get some good buzz, and then kind of bow out. We do know he had some, you know, health issues going on. So hopefully all is well there. But. All these guys, they just I just don't see any lasting material. They just feel like dudes that'll be in and out, like a revolving door. And this Tory Lanez is another one. It's interesting because we're starting to be reflective as we approach the end of this decade. And I think you'll agree with me, Kyle, when I say that was really probably the lowest point that R&B had hit in the middle of this decade where you mostly just had hip-hop and then like rap singers. And it was there wasn't really much you know, R&B around at all until kind of the LMAs and the scissors brought us out of that, you know, later in the yeah. decade. But I mean, what, what, what do you see about, from that? I mean, when I think of August Alsina, I think of his single, I love it. I, I remember when that came out, you were adamant in saying that's not an R&B song. He's rapping on it. And when I look back at it now, like given that time period and what else was coming out, because I, I think that was around the same time as when Trinidad James dropped that, uh, yeah, <laughs> our gold and my whatever, and like to me, if you look at the time, I guess that's considered R and B. But when you look at what's out now, that's a straight up hip hop song right there. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I kind of said it back then, and we'll get to this later, but as you mentioned, Kyle, earlier this week, I kind of went through and looked back at the decade and crowned the kings and queens of the of R&B for the specific years from 2010 going into 2019. And as I was doing that list, it was cool from 2010 to like 2013. But 2014, yep. 2015, 2016, that's when it completely fell off the cliff. And that is around the time that August Alcina blew up. And to me, like, I mean, to Tom's point, wasn't really truly R&B. Some of his stuff was, not all of it. I didn't really like that Trinidad James song. Some of his stuff leaned a bit towards it a little bit, but those years were the lowest R&B probably has been in my lifetime. It kicked up a little bit once 2018 popped up, and this year has been abysmal too. That's another conversation, but 2017, (laughs) 2018, it turned around, but man, it was rough in the middle of the decade. Right. So, Tom, Ed, I want you guys to hold off on this king of R&B, queen of R&B, and maybe even the disappointments in R&B for the last decade for a later conversation. But let's talk about a single that I initially, Tom, I was disappointed in. You really had to sell me on this record because it just sounded so off, so different than what we're used to. But John B.'s new song, Priceless, Mm. you were selling me on this record. You were selling me hard. (laughs) Oh, of course. That's his boy. That's our boy. Good Lord. You know, Ed, I want your opinion too, but let me just say, I at first even was hesitant. I'm like, is John B. rap singing now like everyone else? But no, if you listen, this is John B. He's been swagged out. Like, he's just so smooth on the record. He does rap sing a bit, but he brings the vocals as well. So it's just a smooth record. And John B. has been known for those type of records. So for me, it was like John B. progressed a bit, but kept it, you know, to to his original sound. So I liked that. I mean... It, it was something I had to hear a few times to really understand because it, it wasn't quite something I heard from him. But I like it, guys. I mean, Ed, what did you think? Yeah, this one definitely wasn't the collabo joint with um, Donnell. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Tom to an extent because when I first heard it, I was like, eh. Because <laughs> it does, it's not quite, it's to an uneducated ear, you can be like, oh, this is a trap record. Throw it away. But listen to it. There's a big difference between what he's doing as opposed to a um a Beyonce on that album with Jay Z where she was straight up rapping. He has a rap cadence, but he's singing. Right. We saw the same thing with Layla Hathaway. I had yep. my beef with some of the stuff on Keith's album, his last album, but he in the best songs he was able to do that too. I'm not mad when you're able to continue to have the R and B artistry present and do a little bit of kind of rap stuff. That's cool. I just don't like it when you straight up rapping because you can't rap and you sound terrible. So for this, I love the production. I love the beat. And I wish, I kind of honestly wish he was giving us classic John B on that beat. So Mm. this is really different, but I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a cool progression. I don't know if I want a whole album of it, but for what it is, not bad. But I get why people might not like it. Don't forget when you guys fought me over that Lettucey song where I said she was rapping. Oh, my God. Oh, I remember <laughs> so, that. So it's it's a tasteful evolution. That's what I'm, I consider this type of music. You know, you evolve gracefully. You don't just straight up sell out. And you do it with artistry. That is the key. Is it a yep. well-written song? Yes. Is it a well-produced song? Yes. It's not some lazy trap beat that sounds like everybody else. He's not talking stupid. 
Like, if you want to hear some foolishness like that, go listen to that Tank album. But it's oh artistry here. So that <laughs> is why this excels. So, Tom, are you also giving Mary J a pass for Thick of It, then? Mary J... Thick of It. See, see, Mary J is a whole different type of argument to me. Because from the beginning, no one ever considered her a true vocalist, in my opinion. She came up with that hip-hop sound. So, to me... It's not like I I need a, a true vocal standout performance from her in every song. I mean, right. would, do you disagree? No, no, I think that everybody would... Well, I wouldn't say everybody, because the Mary J. stands are some of the most standish stands on the internet. They're <laughs> low-key one of the worst. But, I mean, she's never been a big vocalist. She's gotten a lot better over the years. Trust me, y'all. I was around in 92. She's a lot better. But... Nobody's going to say that like she's some magnificent vocalist. She's fine when she knows her role. But I didn't mind thick of it. I didn't know there was uh, there. Just don't ask us about the past decade of Mary J's oh. uh, discography. Oh, <laughs> boy, I can't wait to see what your mentions look like. <laughs> Montrez Jones actually asked us, what did you think of... And he named like every album after the... Uh, what was it? What was the album in 2007, Growing Pains? What did you think of the mm-hmm. albums after Growing Pains? And I replied with, eh. Hold on. <laughs> we'll no, get, we'll I like that. Hold on. We'll my life, to too, We're... was good. I did like that. Everybody <laughs> else, calm down. All right. Um, Tom, what about this record? This just came out not too long ago. The PS- PTSD remix with Fantasia, Bonfire, and Tank. They're kind of trapping on this song. <laughs> oh, well, oh, oh, let me get your take on that. I was curious to see what you thought. I listened to it. I um, had not even heard of this remix. <laughs> I totally missed this. Well, you heard the T-Pain version. God, yes. I reviewed the album player. So it's better than the T-Pain version, I think. Uh, Tank's doing his trapping thing on it. Bonfire, of who course. has not let us down yet. I don't think she really let us down on this song either, but... I mean, it's just a different time in R&B. I think Fantasia just wants to have fun with the record, so can't really be mad at, at, at it, but of course I enjoy enough more than PTSD. Yeah, definitely. No, again, like the like we just said with the John B. record, I am not mad at Trap at all. You just have to be able to do it differently and successfully. Uh, has Tank done that? No. Don't, don't answer that. <laughs> The tank I just did. No, <laughs> they're lurking. Um, I don't now. <laughs> come on, guys. Uh, speaking of Fantasia, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but she had kind of hinted that this tour that she's on, the Sketchbook tour, would be her last ever. Uh, she clarified on her statements, and I wanted to get your take on this, guys. She said that she no longer will be doing full-on tours. But rather, she will just do spot dates. It's better for her lifestyle just because the road is a grind. But I'm thinking, if she does spot dates, do you think this will actually help her legacy? Because it's going to be more of like a once-in-a-lifetime experience as opposed to, oh, she's going on tour again. I mean, uh, mm. I'll chime in first. Let me. Ch- I mean, I'll say this. I feel like tours really, to me you know, make you stand out more. Like, if you can announce I'm going on tour, that kind of helps enhance your legacy a bit. That's just my opinion, because not everyone can do a real tour in this day and age. Name an R&B singer who, who can do a real tour. There's not many left. I mean, let's be honest. So so to me, it's like, you know, 
I almost feel like her legacy is already sealed. You know, she's not going to really... I don't know where she could really go from here. I mean, she could dominate Urban AC Radio if she wants to with hit singles, but I, I don't know. It's tough to say, really. I mean, it's... But I can't, I can't, you know, hate on her comment. Like, the lifestyle of being on the road for months at a time, it, it, it must be tough. Yeah. I mean, I can't... That's something that, as fans, we kind of gloss over. Like, these are real people. And going back to the Summer Walker thing, Lord, forever going back to this chick. But there is a mental toll and a physical toll that it takes being on the road, being on the grind, and that stuff that you don't think about when you're like, I want to be a star. And I want to get out of my town. And I want you don't think about the physical toll and grind it takes on you. So I'm not shocked that she wants to scale back from that. I don't know if and having spot dates will definitely be easier. And maybe she won't feel the drag. And maybe she will have, as Kyle said, kind of a control where she can like pop up and do these really big shows and then bounce out. But there is something to be said about going on tour and the visibility that that brings. Yeah. But when it comes to her legacy, I, I kind of think she's good where she is. Unless she has like some insanely huge album like Mary J's Breakthrough, I, like five or six years after the fact. And it kind of rejuvenates everything like an Emancipation of Mimi type joint. It gives her like mm. another five, ten years on her career. I think she's good as is. This is a very strong legacy. I don't see her turning the world of R&B on its ear again. But there's always time. Lord knows there's a, the door is wide open. Because ain't nobody stepping up. <laughs> yeah, I think the tour life is especially different when you're a mother or a parent in general. Because um, if you're in your early 20s, being on the road, sitting on a tour bus, playing PS4 all day, that sounds like the life. But... Guys, once you hit your 30s and your 40s, you got <laughs> bills to pay, you got kids to take care of, you just want to be yep. at home. Exactly. Well, let me tell you, I got a stack of PS4 games. I wish I could be on tour sitting up there on that bus. Be the only time I could get some stuff done. Hey, yeah, I was thinking of that, actually, Kyle. Too. I didn't realize she had a kid. and she, I mean, I knew she was married, but I mean, that's exactly probably what it is. You know, having yep. a kid, wanting to be around your family. You don't want to be on the road for half the year. No, nope, Exactly. So, shout-outs to Fantasia. Keep doing your thing. Sketchbook Tour is still on the road, so go get your tickets now. Um, got a new record that sort of leaked on the radio over the weekend. Uh, our boy Usher has a joint out with LMA. Guys, what did Hold you think on. of the snippet? Before, yes, we, we, before we discuss the song, I want to shout-out to Deontay Scott on, on our Facebook page, who commented on the song and said, I don't want to hear any of these new artists on a track with Usher. And then someone from uh, one of our, our boy DJ Soulchild, he said, why? And Deontay Scott said, all these new artists suck. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> okay. There you have it, guys. There you okay. have it. Case closed. <laughs> guys. I, I mean. <laughs> Tom, we had this discussion with Daniel Caesar and Brandy. What is the issue with LMA working with Usher? We love LMA. Whose album oh is this gosh, on? Yes. Whose album is this on? This is on Confessions too. So that's my that's my problem right there. Was Faith Evans not available for a duet? You know what I'm saying? Was Tamia not available? Well, well I'm serious. Gone over, no, <laughs> we have gone, gone over this before. before oh, no, and I just, know he, he just got LMA because of the hype. He wants to. That means to me, it's like he needs extra publicity, so he's going with the hottest thing out right now. That's not cool oh. to me. 
Time out. Of course. Tom. Well, go ahead, here. Kyle. Kyle, Question you go ahead. If Tamia is on that record, does it even touch Urban Radio at all, Tom? But that's my problem with Usher. Like, you, you're, you're fa- you fell off. So just give it up and stop trying to get on Urban Radio and just make good music with artists but from your generation. Don't try too hard. St- you can still make good music. Ella Mae doesn't make the song bad. No, no, I know. But you, that's not my point, though. You, you, you understand my point? It's like he's reaching. He probably asks his A&R, who's the hottest thing out that I should get on the record with? So, once again, was Tamiya not available? Was Faith Evans not available? Ed? We have gone kind of round and round on this before, and I get what Tom's point is. However, my counterpoint is this. First of all, when it comes to Usher, his generation is kind of sweeping. So Faith putting her, her him in that group is kind of I don't know about that. But wait, what? I have no up? problem. What? Same no, generation. I know. I know Faith wrote his first song. Blah blah blah. But Faith's <laughs> peak was not the same time as Usher's peak. Usher peaked in the mid two thousands. Faith These peaked in the nineties. Though that's not the same. It's called Wait facts, a second. So Hold on. What about the My Way album? That wasn't Usher's peak. Usher peaked with Confessions. He didn't peak with My Way. My point is his his generational peak is not 1997. However, let me get back to my facts. My facts are this. I have no problem with an artist working with another artist of that generation. We have seen it across the board. That's just how it works. Yes, it is a marketing tool. Yes, you put the hot person on your song to kind of get out there. That's why that raggedy Ty Dolla sign is on everybody's song because for whatever reason, he's hot. Same thing with Jeremiah. But I don't have a problem with it if you don't compromise your sound. If it is Usher featuring Future, it better be a Usher song. If it's Usher featuring Future and Usher trying to rap like Future, then I have a problem. That is my issue. Ella can be on the song as long as he's being Usher. If Ella on the song and he's acting like ugh, Tory Lanes, throw the whole thing in the trash. <laughs> but from what I heard, it sounds like he's being Usher from the little clip. The clip was promising, but how many times? How many times have we been here in the past 10, 15 years? Oh, this is going to be the one. Oh, I just coming back. Oh, this is it. How many times have we been disappointed? Listen, guys. And I don't make bold statements like this on this podcast often. I think the last one I made was about Jacquees being the savior of R&B, but that was many moons oh. ago. Oh, yeah, many moons credit like two weeks in ago. The- yes, well. your credibility <laughs> is in trash. Listen. Confessions 2 is on the way. Guys, I am <laughs> predicting now, Usher is making the biggest comeback we've seen since the emancipation of Mimi. Mark my oh words, my guys. Oh. Are you ready Player, for Usher? Get, give me, first of all, this is the man who said that that King of R&B album was going to make Jacquees the next biggest star. And it won't even better than his last little raggedy album. That album with the little yellow car on the front was better than this. So now is, Usher is going to change the world again because you heard a 20-second snippet with LMA? Ugh, listen, I wish I, I had your confidence. I'm at the point where I'd rather have Deontay Scott host this podcast than Kyle. That's all I have to oh say. Oh, my God. So you guys can talk about Faith Evans happen. 1995 again? <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Let's do it. 
Listen, <laughs> guys, I know what you guys are going to say, that Usher's been a disappointment for the last decade. And Tom, I know you were going to get into this, but it's like, you know, playing sports. You don't you don't master your craft in one day. You got to keep practicing. You got to keep putting out mediocre albums such as Heart to Love. Sometimes even go down in the dumps <laughs> like the A Project. But at some point, guys, at some point, you're going to get out of that hole. You're going to dig yourself up and release a classic. And Confessions 2 is on the way. And Tom, I know you were complaining about the LMA record, but how about this one? Someone asked, are Usher, Luda, and, and Lil Jon ever going to do it again? Lil Jon tweeted, yes, on Usher's new album. That's his generation. Are you happy about that one? Yeah, that's exactly what we were asking for to save Usher's career. Luda and Lil John back on, together again. Ed, didn't you love Yeah? <sighs> um, the only yeah I like is when I say yeah, this podcast is over, and then I don't have to talk <laughs> to Kyle anymore. Look, what in the world are we talking about? I and I know everybody again is hyped off of the nostalgia. And I, I love Luda. You know my feelings about Lil John is not very high, but I love Luda. Luda's had his run. If they want to get the band back together for something, okay, cool, whatever. But it is not enough. I can only judge things by what you last gave me. If I have gone to Popeye's to get a chicken sandwich, and the first time you gave it to me, you forgot the chicken, and the second time you forgot the bun, why would I go a third time? And we have got a heart to love. We have got an A. And I know one time in, in 2005, 15 years ago, we got some heat. But it's been 15 years since we got heat. So mm. my expectations are low. If, she, if he mm. gives me some good stuff, I will be hyped. I will be the first one to praise it and tell everybody to share it and listen to the album. But until then, the only thing I got is that heart to love and that A. And those were some nasty chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Kyle. The real problem is no one supported Here I Stand, right? Yeah, he was uh, he was a married man, and uh, it was a different. It was time, Urban guys. AC. <laughs> it was there was a lot man, more R&B it, back then. Yes, and it's kind of sad how we talk about throwing the blessings in the trash because that album got so much hate back then. But if he that dropped that now, point. people would go nuts. That was the freaking turning point right there. Yeah, and what you what you got next was songs like "Lil Freak." You're up there. You go. Oh, that was a great beat. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my god. Oh, it is. God. No, that beat. No, the beat was great. The song is whatever. I did like the beat. Stevie Wonder. Yes. Uh, you know, threatened to quit music when he heard that beat. I feel like. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not only is he listening to Stevie Wonder all the time now, Kyle. Now he's making up his own Stevie Wonder biopic. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna quit music when I heard the little freak beat. Jeez. Oh man. Oh, but guys, I have a good feeling about Usher this time around. And uh, Ed, you won't be the first person to tell everyone. I will be. So let's leave it at that. Uh huh. Well, I can't wait to be Mister. I told you so. Like I was with Tank and Jacquees. You batting. You two zero oh and two player. You need a win. I'm not gonna strike out. I promise. But guys, let's talk about some more interesting things here. Uh, we have a whole discussion on kings and queens of R&B in the 2010s that Ed has compiled for us. Ed, do you have the list ready for us? I do. I do. So um, just to kind of detail what this is is a, maybe man. This may have been like five or six years ago now. Um, I had a discussion about who would be considered the 
king of R&B in the 90s. So what I did was I went through every year in the 90s, 90 through 99, and selected a king or queen as the best representative of R&B. Now, what that means is not who had the best album. It was who had the highest profile, who was basically the person that represented R&B, kind of the headliner for that year. So I did it for the 90s, and I did it for the 2000s. And while working on the list for the 2010s, your boy almost, like, I almost was like, I can't do it. And it was because mm-hmm. of what we discussed earlier. Once you hit, I was good until I hit about 2015, 2014. Man, it got really rough because there was R&B had fallen so far off the mainstream radar that it was hard to name someone as the best. And then a lot of times I would have to kind of bow to someone to be the headliner who was far from the best as far as their musical output. And we'll get to that later. But it was a tough decade. There was some hope near the end, but kind of a tough decade. All right, let's go through the list here, Tom. I'm going to give you who, na- uh, who Ed named, and you give me your reaction, and you can give me an alternate if you want. I know these, this was almost a decade ago, but 2010, he had Trigger Trey. His runner-up was Usher. You know, for the year or for the for the whole oh, for the year? For the year. If Trigger for the Trey wins it for Lord, the whole no. decade, wow. Yes. <laughs> That's tough on the spot to, to, say, to give you a, a replacement, but... Okay, fine. All right, keep going. Well, um, let me go give some insight into Trey for this one. To me, it was 2010 was the year where we still had some good contenders. We had Neo. We had, I think, Badu still had an album out. There were a lot of R&B luminaries who were still putting out music. Usher was the biggest seller that year. That was the Raymond versus Raymond album. But that was also the year where we got OMG and DJ Fallen Love. This was the EDM era. So while he was the R&B, biggest R&B seller, I felt like that he wasn't really as a strong representative since most of his stuff was EDM pop stuff. So that's why Trey kind of slid into that spot. He had his, what was the name of that album? Passion, Passion Pain, and Pleasure coming yep. off of Ready. So that's why Trey... 1210. Hold on. Okay. What about Monica? What about who? Monica. She was still standing then. Oh, she was still standing, but she won't stand in that tall. <laughs> All right. Man. Oh, my goodness. Man. Uh, I love 20... Monica. We all love Monica. I don't know how much you love Monica, but we'll get into that later. Uh, 20... 2011, it was the queen of R&B. We had Beyonce, who Ed picked over Cousin Chris. And Tom, that was when Deuces came out, and that was everywhere. Deuces you know, was everywhere. When Deuces came out, I almost wanted to shut down the whole site. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. <laughs> I mean, come um, on. All right, moving on. Just move on. No, I like Deuces, and honestly, that you album. You like Deuces? That, I well, like is Barry Deuces. Bars available? I mean, come on. There's got to be someone else. Well, no, you can bring Barry on and he'll talk about how Gruces is the best song of the decade, so don't do that. <laughs> this is true. But, <laughs> no, I, the Fame album is probably, of the decade, probably Cousin Chris's best album. But Beyonce's 4 album was not only a better album, had decent sales, and it was the last full R&B Beyonce album. 
which will weigh into the list later on when the beehive gets mad. All right. So, Tom, 2012, Ed was picking between two artists here, Miguel and Frank Ocean. Can you guess who Ed went with, being that we both know him? Definitely Frank Ocean. Ed? Boy, I'm going to spit my water out. I was literally drinking water. I'm going to spit it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally, it was dribbling out of my mouth when you said it. Wait, was it? No, it wasn't. Oh, Ed, you're, back, gonna... on the, you're back on the podcast, man. We love you again. Barry, you're out. The back of, <laughs> the back of my hand. Barry put Frank up there, too. What are you talking about? You guys talk about Frank Ocean like he was the next Stevie Wonder. That guy, I, I don't get it. There is a portion of fans who will say that he is this generation Stevie Wonder. I am not joking. Yes, there is. To me, to me, he was this generation's Ryan Leslie, but that's another story. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. I will not go there. That's interesting. <laughs> That is a horrible take. <laughs> I will not go there. Uh, so Miguel anyway, King, because of Adorn? Well, not just because of Adorn. The Kaleidoscope Dream album is one of the best of the decade. And he pumped out some great singles. 2012 was another decent year because a lot of veterans were still around. But honestly, a lot of those veterans came up kind of in. That Neo album was okay. That Alicia album was not my favorite. Usher's mm-hmm. album was meh. So Miguel was able, this was a time when we kind of got a new star made. And as much as people like the Frank Ocean album, and I like it too, when we're talking about quality across the board R&B and the Miguel album did better as far as um, charting too. So I don't know why the Frank Ocean thing gets so hyped. When you look by the, the numbers, some of them numbers don't measure up to the hype. But that's you, what it you know. You know what's interesting, Kyle, about the Miguel album? It was released in EPs at first, right? Th- like three parts? Yep. I it really sure thought, was. You know what? I really thought that was going to be the, the new wave of how music was going to be released. Because people were consuming music in lesser, you know, lesser portions at once. And I thought that was genius. And that it just never I really caught too. on. It never caught on after those, that. And those EPs were like called Art Deco something. My wife was yeah, obsessed yeah. with them. Yeah. And she was, <laughs> this was one of the last artists, it's, it's kind of sad at 2012, but it was kind of one of the last times she was very, very excited for an R&B project. Hmm. And you can see by the time we get in the next couple of years why she got bored with it. Damn, guys, crazy. We went from splitting albums into four parts to dropping 50 song albums. Funny how things work out, eh? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, ugh. Funny. <laughs> All right, uh, not to get off track here. 2013, Justin Timberlake is your king. Chris Brown is runner-up. Tom, Justin yeah. Timberlake, he did it. I can't believe you gave him credit, Ed. What what did he do to, to earn that? He dropped a banging album, that's all. It doesn't take much to make me happy, player. Just give me some solid material. The second album was okay, but the first album was solid. It was a great comeback. Cousin Chris was dropping his singles all over the place, so I have to tip my hat begrudgingly to him. I wasn't a fan of him, but success is success. But let me comment on that real quick, because that was another thing. He released the first part of you know the 2020, and then the second part, which is clearly like leftovers, right, Kyle? Yeah. But I thought that was cool, though, because, like, you know, fans crave that type of material. So even though it wasn't the first album, you know, the first part, it was cool to hear, you know, even those songs as well. I mean, to Ed, did you, did you agree with that? 
I agree with it. And I didn't hate the second part like a lot of people did. I know a lot of people yeah. like, totally panned it. I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was listenable. Yeah. But you're right. And I think, uh, for better or worse, it kind of plays into what happened later in the decade with these 50 song albums. When you got an artist like JT who had been gone for a decade or a decade and a half, however long it had been, people were just craving new music. So you got a whole bunch, just give it to them and they will consume it right. all. So. I mean, he kind of set the precedent there for what we saw later on. Ed, where did you post this list? Where everything gets posted. Soulandstereo.com. Go Kyle, check it out. Kyle, share this on our Facebook page. I'm afraid, but I will definitely do that. We gotta, um, we gotta, <laughs> I, like, I, I like this. I like that. we got to share this. All right. So I'm going to end it off with the 2014 one. Next week we'll do 2015 just because we're running out of time and... I don't want to spend the whole podcast debating whether Bruno Mars is R&B or not. Um, thank oh, you. my God. Thank you. Uh, 2014, and I did this on purpose. Cousin Chris was the king in 2014, and Beyonce was runner-up. And this is when Beyonce dropped her surprise album. But, Tom, Cousin Chris did it again. Uh, all I'm saying is, Ed, he must have gave you a couple shots at the family barbecue to earn that position. But, man... Good stuff, Ed. Well, unfortunately, I need to get shot in the head a couple times. The Beehive was not happy that I put Chris Brown in this spot instead of Beyonce. <laughs> I understand why, because this was the big Beyonce album, and this is the album where she became the megastar that annoys yeah. many of us today. But the reason why Chris gets here is, again, this is the kings and queens of R&B. In 2014, as much as I like that Beyonce album, and I do, it is when she turned the corner and started putting R&B in her rear view. So I can't give you the crown, even though you're the biggest star in the world, you weren't the biggest R&B star in the world. That's when she started to turn away. It wasn't it wasn't as far away from R&B as we would later get in the later decades. Because there was definitely some elements there, but it was clear she was going in another direction. Cousin Chris's album for better or worse, was the best representative of R&B in 2014. So there you go. All right. And there you have it. So we'll continue this list next week, but we got bigger things to talk about here. Uh, Tom, can I ask you a question? I think I've been waiting for this all podcast, Kyle. What's up? <sighs> Who are your biggest disappointments? <laughs> Kyle. In R&B right. over the last decade. Let's start with number one. Who is number one on your list? The biggest disappointment. <clears throat> Listen, we love Usher. Oh, my I God. Feel like here we go. Usher. I, I, I feel like we discuss Usher every episode. But because we do. No, but it's because of the expectations we have for Usher. We know that is in there somewhere in him that he could provide us that album we've been destined for for 15 years now. But, man, he lets us down every time, guys. Am I wrong, Ed? You are not wrong. And I wonder, you brought up, somebody brought up Here I Stand earlier. And I wonder if that's the album that made him gun-shy. I think that's the time where he was like, okay, let me take yeah. my R&B, let me mature it a little bit. And everybody went crazy and was like, we don't want this Usher. We want crazy, freaky Usher. And then we got Lil Freak and we got Hard to Love and he in the club and this man 41 years old. Smelling no. cool water, chasing the little girls. Like, it's like, oh. come on now. I think that if the album that we got 
the here I stand, if we got that in 2019, we'd be raving. But I think he kind of matured a little too fast and kind of freaked them out. So, unfortunately, this decade was wide open for him, and it just didn't happen. And it's all but on Ky- him. I can't blame anybody else. That was his choice. But, but, Kyle, you didn't expect this. I got two other surprises in store for you. All right. And, Ed, I want you to give me a disappointment, too. Uh, Tom, you know what? Let's give Ed one first, and then you, you chime oh. in. I've been waiting oh, I've episode, got a- Kyle, but I'll, I'll wait. But I got All right, go ahead, Ed. I've got a bunch. I mean, we've talked about Usher. We've talked about Tank. I'm going to give you one that we have not discussed, and I couldn't gather this list. It really hit me. Alicia Keys. Ooh. How can you go from Damn, a five-star man. album and the hottest albums of... When I did my 2000s list, she was... I think I had... I think Usher and Alicia were tied as king. So it was... They were the king and queen. Usher and Alicia were at the top. Two or three years later, she is releasing the worst albums of her career. The voice ain't there. The songwriting ain't there. Everything oh. that made her great the, is not the voice there. Even? Not even the, the voice? voice. <laughs> ain't none of it there, player. It's all in the trash. And it's oh, not... Oh, the trash! <laughs> it should not happen. And I forgot. I should, we should not be... With the legendary material that she gave us a decade before, I should not be putting together a list of the kings and queens of R&B for 2010 to 2019. And every time Alicia Keys' album come up, I'm like, I forgot about that album. I forgot this existed. And I go back in my archives. Yep, I reviewed it, but I forgot it existed. How far we've fallen. This is she, to me, has been the biggest disappointment of this decade because there was more than enough room for her to come in and dominate again, and it didn't happen. Like, didn't even get close to happening. Oh, Neo's yeah. a number two, but that no. would be an argument no, for no, another time. No, no, no. Kyle. No, not Neo. Kyle, you go You go next. What? Wait, wait, wait. Why, why is Neo <laughs> the sacred cow? Neo has actually... That's, that's another discussion for another time, Ed. Neo at least no, gives us not- good, good songs, man. No, he did. I'm not hating. He did. He gave us some good songs. But again, look at the the door was wide open. He was I someone know. who like I really know. dominated the end of the 2000s. Yep. He should have came into 2010 like gangbusters. And he gave us some good stuff. I think the Red Album is a little underrated. When did Libra Scale drop? That's a little underrated. But it wasn't to the level it should have been. So he's not bad, but he's a disappointment. That's fair. But Kyle, do you have someone on the list? Um, yeah, I do. If if not, I got I I can't wait to share these two. But go ahead. Um, I was gonna say Brandy because she only dropped two eleven. Oh, I don't, I, I don't like that album. Oh. But, but you know, that's another one. But oh, our mention is gonna be toe up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Tom, go ahead. Is it Brandy your favorite artist? She is. Yes. Meanwhile, Music Soul Child and Key Sweat came out this decade unscathed. <laughs> I don't want to know about all that. The hustle and eeny, meeny, miny, moe. But, Tom, go on with your list. <laughs> I'm gonna, Chill I'm, out. I'm going I'm to name two artists that no one even considered for their list. Right? Okay. Ready? Okay. Number one, D'Angelo. Oh, here we go. Listen, guys. The Black Messiah album was a disappointment for me. 
And we've been waiting for this guy to come back for 15 years, and it just felt like it was an unfinished thought, and then he just disappeared again like that. He wasn't even here to promote it. I didn't appreciate that, Ed. I I agree. Um, One of the criticisms I got about my list, and I didn't go through the full thing, check out soulandstereo.com to see the full list. There were some D'Angelo fans that were mad that Black Messiah didn't, Make him like the king for whatever year that came out. I can't even remember the year it came what? out. Which again oh. proves, again, yep. it proves that it didn't make the mark. If I can't even remember what year it came out and it was this gigantic comeback. I didn't hate the album. It was okay. But again, we're talking about disappointments. He had the opportunity to come through and to wow a whole generation. And the album wasn't yep. bad, but it came and went. And no, he's not a king. So, no, he didn't make whatever year that was. I'm kind of <laughs> not mad at you for this. Thank you, Ed. And you know what's coming next, Kyle? Who? Another long-anticipated album. Who? I'm afraid to ask. Jodeci. I oh, come on. It, but jo- oh, Jodeci is, is a no. disgrace for, for this decade, guys. That's, okay. That album, See, I, I, I've never I, I got anyone who oh. liked that album. Hold on. Let no, me ask you're you a right. Question. Let me ask you a question, Tom. Did you even expect that album to be good? Because if you didn't expect it, it to be good, it, it can't it, be a disappointment. It, it doesn't matter. Kyle, was Devonta even there during the recording of this album? Allegedly, he was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Allegedly. Exactly. I'm saying this album was such a disappointment that that we waited 20 years for the album. And that's what we got, Ed? Ed. Well... You got no, to you, I, would, I, I, I hesitantly agree with you because it was a disappointment. But to Kyle's point, my expectations weren't that high anyway. So it's not uh. like I was expecting. I was not expecting Forever My Lady. It, that was that came out in 1990 something. This was like the middle of the 2010. So it was not great. But I didn't expect much of it. So yeah, it was a disappointment if you were in a hopeful. 90s Jodeci fan, just like the no. TGT fans, they but, but were. Hold, well, that's a little different. But wait, hold on, hold they, on, Ed. But let me let me say one thing: when a legendary group or artist comes back, you expect mm-hmm. legendary material, do you not? Like you got to hold them to that standard. Mm. No, when you come back <laughs> and you have a legendary no? career, no, no, you you should be held to an example, but you also have to remember. That if you've been on the sidelines for 20 years, it ain't going to sound like 1991. So it mm. was a disappointment, yes, but my high, my expectations weren't that high. So I wasn't I wasn't as let down as I was with the D'Angelo one. I think that one fits a little better for me. All right. Tom, are you also throwing the TLC album in there? I forgot they released that in, in, well, in this decade, guys. <laughs> well, that's bad. See, there you go. Kyle, they in Kyle. the same boat. Next episode, we go, let's discuss. Let's look back on this decade. Next episode, because <laughs> there's a lot we forgot for real. All right, all right. Uh, I got another question for you. I know we're running out of time, but you know this is this is this is fun. So let's let's keep this going. Tom, can you name me uh, your top three female vocalists of all time? On the spot, you're gonna put Kyle. Okay, really? Let, let me let me rephrase this. Question. <laughs> what the let me rephrase this question. Uh, someone on this podcast thinks that Beyonce is a better singer than Brandy, Monica, and Faith Evans. Do you agree or disagree? 
I agree. Wow. No, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Do you think Beyonce wait, is a Beyonce? better singer? Oh, no. Is she no, better? Not even close. No. Who said that? Ed? Me. <laughs> call call them out. Call them out. One Edward Bowser. Please uh, defend Edward yourself Edward Bowser. Here, <laughs> Let what? me, first of all, let's go back. Let's go back and actually put some context around it because that is why the internet sucks. There's no context. This is what <laughs> happened. So someone posted this in the Soul and Stereo Cypher. Go on Facebook, check it out because folks have been fussing for 24 hours about this goofy post. So someone posted in the Cypher a collage of like nine R&B women and it was asked to select the three best singers in this group not of all time it was just three in a group so i picked i don't know somebody somebody and beyonce the person who posted was aghast that i picked beyonce because beyonce in her opinion is very overrated and she is but that wasn't what the post was about the post asked of these nine who were the best and then she had her friends who were like oh Beyonce is terrible. Then other people jumped in and said, no, Beyonce is not terrible. And then it turned to the usual Facebook fussing. Here is going back to my point why people have mixed this all up. If we are talking about actual, that's why these games don't really make sense. Because we have different meanings of what a good singer is. If you ask me what is a good singer, I am taking in totality everything. Because the anti-Beyonce people were like, oh, she's terrible because I don't feel anything when she sings. That's true. But you didn't ask about that. You asked about who is the best singer. I'm talking about pitch. I'm talking tone. I'm talking control. I'm talking ability to sing different genres. Yes, Beyonce can do it all. If we're, but the one thing Beyonce lacks is soulfulness. So that's why she lacks that a Fantasia can sing and man, you'll feel it in your bones. Whereas a Beyonce will sing everything technically pitch perfect, but you don't feel it the same way. That is what I was trying to say when everybody was going ballistic. So when it comes to singing, are we talking about the technical aspects or are we talking about riffs and runs? Because if we're talking, can Beyonce out riff and run Fantasia and Monica and Brandy? Absolutely not. But if we're talking technical prowess, yes, she was the best of that nine that was up there. That was, is what that was about. Frame the question right, Kyle. <laughs> wow. Kyle. So that is that. You Tom. messed up. I did. <laughs> uh, guys, I know we're running out of time, but can we please get into the soul backtrack of the day? Pick something off All of right. D'Angelo's Black Messiah album. I dare you. Name, no, name no. one song, Kyle. Name one song of that album, pal. <laughs> I don't know. Oh! <laughs> See, guys. I... Let's focus. Let's focus. Uh, recently, People Magazine named John Legend the sexiest man alive. So, we oh, gotta go oh with the John Lord. Legend record here. Uh, can oh. we go with the John Legend record? Tom, you'll be really excited about this one. Oh. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm, I'm. Go ahead. Uh, let's go with the song Save Room by John Legend. You like that song, Tom. Kyle, that's a great pick, Kyle. I thought you were going to say some song like Ordinary People, which was not as good, but Ed, that second album, Ed. 
Uh, no. Yeah, we've classic. been over this before. Classic, I, I, classic album. Oh, my God. Classic. <laughs> classic. Classic album. Once again, classic? Oh my God. classic album. Oh, my classic album. We are really calling once again a classic album. I need to go through. That needs to be next on my list, Kyle. I need to rank John Legend's albums because, no, I need to re-listen to this thing. If you can make I'm it not past, really Ed. If you can make it past the first album, you're a better man than I am. Oh my god! Wait, the first what? album was okay. Kyle, come the on. First, the first one Kyle. was fine. All right. Wait, can I just say <laughs> one thing quick about John Legend? He, he did a genius move for his uh, Christmas album. Yeah, he, he added like last week. He, <laughs> I did. Yes, you did. Well, he. I, we, we just heard on the radio this evening, me and my wife, and I was like, who is that? Is that John Legend singing? And I was like, yeah, he he re-released his album, so there you go. It works. There you go. And Nope, they got to do it. Get back on them charts. And yep. Ed, it, it seems like it's John Legend, not Keith, who is the sexiest man alive. Well, first of all, that shows that the poll is a lie. But second, I don't understand. Well, I do understand, but I don't want to get into politics here up here because I get yelled at enough on Twitter. But I feel like that <laughs> was mostly because of his connections. He might be the cutest woke person on Twitter or something. But of, I have what? queried many women. <laughs> I was uh, like, do y'all think this man's sexy? And everybody was like, he's cute. Like your little brother. But that's it. No, Ed, it felt like a cal- it felt like a calculated move to me. It felt very yeah. much so. Yeah, it felt like he and his wife are quite yeah. vocal about their political activities on Twitter. So it felt like a way to kind of suck up. It's almost but annoying, right? Boy. It's, it's quite annoying. annoying. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's yes. annoying that we're talking about a freaking popularity contest on the podcast about who was the cutest dude. Like we're a bunch of four-year-old girls, but sitting in our clubhouse. Wait, wait, Ed, who would you have picked? What for the sexiest man? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when I get to his age, I can only hope to have the posture and Devonair suave swag style presence of King Key Sweat. So I think um, that would be I'm, my default pick. I'm picking. I'm picking Montrez Jones. Only because I think he's he's the only person who's still listening to this podcast at this point. But shout out to Montrose Jones. Oh, yes. Shout out to my man. Because, yes, everybody else didn't gave up on this episode long before now. Right. All right, guys. Let's get into the Play a Please Awards really quickly. We're getting in trouble. This Play a Please? I feel like we did Play a Please this whole show, but all right. This all whole right. show been a Play a Please. All right. So if you guys remember last week when we talked about uh, parental skills... And parenting, T.I. had his whole situation with his daughter. Well, um, our favorite music executive, Irv Gotti, has chimed in. And he said that when his daughter brought her boyfriend to meet Irv and they all got along and they started talking about the talk, Irv Gotti whipped out his gun and playfully said, if you do anything wrong, I'm a blast. Wait, why? Wait, 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 hold on. Why was the the father of the girl the guy was dating having the talk with the kid like with the girl there i i don't get i don't understand the situation i I don't know because you have common sense tom and these people don't why are we talking about the parenting skills of irv Gotti? 
He couldn't get Black Child's <laughs> album on the freaking shelves. Oh. And we think that he's raising humans? Damn. Oh, Black right. Child. The potential oh. was there, Kyle. I guess. I mean, we all missed out on Cadillac Tar and, and Vita. <laughs> Vita. <laughs> Yo, Vita, Vita really had a... Sh- if Vita, if Vita had popped off, then there would be no Nick Minaj, right, Ed? Oh my God! I now I wish Vita had <laughs> popped off, because <laughs> I'll right, take her over right. Nicky all day. Kyle, all right, move on. Um, all right, our next player, please, goes to Irv Gotti's arch nemesis, Fifty Cent, who got banned on Instagram for cyberbullying uh, Notri Naughton. Former 3LW oh, member. Um, what was he picking on her for? Well, she had a Halloween costume, I think it was, and she tied her hair up really high so you could see like her oh. forehead. And then 50 Cent posted a picture of Goro from Mortal Kombat beside her. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I did see that photo. I forgot all about that. So, I have no comment on this, guys. 50 got banned from Instagram and then took it to Twitter to con- continue trolling. Wait, he got banned? Yep. Oh, thank goodness. Thank you. Now no, he'll be back. He's on Twitter trolling he'll be now, back. so. Oh. Dude, and we Ed, wonder why we wonder Ed, why I, society I, is trash. Listen, Ed, I feel like Fifty Cent inspired a whole generation on how to troll. He did, and now oh. everybody's trying to keep up. And this is the terrible place that we're in. Why are you talking about? Ugh. Listen, she that woman made better songs than Fifty. I will take players gonna play. Over half of 50's later albums. <laughs> hey, do you side. remember that single? What's it called? How to Run? What was it called? How to Rob? Oh, How to Rob? How to Rob, yes. Oh, God. That's where it started, I remember man. when... Yep, I remember when that dropped and people were so upset. Jay-Z was in his feelings. Ghostface was in his feelings. Pun. Everybody big was pun. pissed off. Pun. Yep, big, Pun big, was pissed. Yep. Yep. And then uh, that's how his career ticked off. He is the original the start troll. Of trolling. Yep. Hundred yep. percent. I think we have just uncovered a mystery. That is the <laughs> the uh, trolling started with fifty and how to rob. Blame Kyle. Him. That's your homework. That's your homework. Go listen to that song. All right. Doesn't that sample the same <laughs> song as the classic Smiles and South Star song? Smiles and oh my. I gotta I, hang up on this podcast. Smiles and South Star <laughs> have made it to the Soulback Podcast. It is time to call it a day. <laughs> All right. Um, and for our last uh, play of please, uh, I've been doing a lot of research on this Andrew Yang ga- guy. He's uh, running for president in your country. And, uh, as in part your of country. His, as part of his <laughs> campaign, he's uh, proposing to pay like $1,000 each month to every citizen in the U.S., and then I read a comment. Oh. Someone said, "Wow, with a thousand dollars a month, I can finally purchase albums again." Do you think that'll actually? Happen? <laughs> oh, oh my God! Ed. I hope he can just look. Instead of giving out a thousand dollars a month, how about he save that up, and then we can finally get enough money to get a Kickstarter going, so we can get some of these terrible people back in the studio from 2010 who haven't put out an album in forever. Badu. I'm looking at you, Badu. I'm looking at you, D'Angelo. Get some of that money together, and let's start this new decade off right. Because y'all about kill me this decade. <laughs> Damn, Kyle. Neo Soul is back. I guess it is. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew Yang. <laughs> Thank you. Dang, dang. Here you are come. not convinced. <laughs> All right, Ed. 
uh wow let's uh <laughs> let's wrap this all up guys what is going on with the Soin stereo website the cypher i see you got a love letters going on wait yeah, hold on man, ed, ed, we got... ed 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 i still have no invite to the to the cypher wait a minute you no oh my gosh I will invite you to decipher once this podcast is over. Weren't you like, oh, I'm not going to do a Facebook group because, no. oh, I'm too busy. Actually, I think that was Soul Child. That was probably Soul Child. My bad. <laughs> All right. I will send you an invite. However, back to Soul and Stereo because good Lord. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was talking about. Check out the site and you can go through and see the kings and queens of R&B for 2010 through 2019. And remember, before you get in my DMs all pissed off because Layla Hathaway ain't there or D'Angelo ain't there or Tedra Moses ain't there or Tweet ain't there. It's not the best album. It is the best representative of the genre for that year. Go check that out. Got a bunch of new album reviews from Styles P and from maybe just Styles P, because I can't remember anybody else right now. <laughs> Kyle has destroyed my brain. We ranked Lil' Kim's entire discography in memory of her debut album, Hardcore. And we just got a bunch of new stuff coming this week. New episodes of Love Letters as well. Kyle's favorite. Go check out the site. Ed, you forgot something very important. What's that? It's a big month. It's blogged like crazy month. Shout out to your yeah, wife. Yes, blog. Yeah, shout out to my wife. And that's why Soul and Stereo has had so much content. Y'all killing me this month because every mm-hmm. day this month we are putting out a new post. So go to Soul and Stereo every single day, at least by 7 or 8 o'clock your time, you should see something new to thrill you. So shout out to my wife and everybody else who is participating in Blog Like Crazy this month. Listen, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. She might have a new love letters. Column. You might have a love letters column about her. So there you go. Oh, I mean, listen, she pops in every <laughs> once in a while. Sometimes she literally told me a couple of weeks ago. She was like, you know, I don't have to listen to the podcast because you yell so much from your office. I, it's like I'm listening to it live. So she hears Ed. live recordings every week. Same thing, Ed. Same. Even the baby's <laughs> listening, guys. Puts them right to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right tom uh you know i got so we're still doing our thing but i have some homework for you for next week this is breaking for news. me or yes for oh, you break oh, okay did you know mcdonald's has this thing called donut sticks oh thank goodness i thought you were gonna say listen to summer walker's album well i mean do that as well but donut sticks <laughs> i need you to go to mcdonald's yeah. and try these no no i saw the ad in the window i told my wife to to try that but she said eh. wait a minute y- y'all have never had donut sticks before no no yes it's a, i mean they're not good but they're a thing a long time thing i mean trust me you would rather stick them in your ear than listen to summer walker <laughs> but <laughs> oh it's just like a have wait, you had kyle a donut hole? Summer walker. Jeez. well kyle likes a lot of terrible things we know this oh my oh. 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 all right guys but we're anyway we're uh we're we're getting messy here, as the people Kyle, on Twitter will say. Yes, but Kyle, rem- remember this for the next episode. We're gonna ask each other what's our favorite Dunkin' Donuts donut. Okay, wait. Okay, I got one wait. for you, Kyle. You have Dunkin' Donuts out there? We do not. Ah, <laughs> oh, freaking Canada! 
Always screws no, us up. No, he didn't know what a donut stick was. Of course he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going right. to call it a day here. Uh, I just posted your link on our, you know, I got soul page. So if the beehive oh, comes at you, it's not our fault. We promise. <laughs> Did you tag, tag me in it and, and blame it on me? Please. Please uh, tag yep, me. I will. Yep. All right, guys. This was a fun week for us. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Confessions 2 is out by then so I can prove you guys wrong. But until next week, I'll see you guys later. All right. Peace. Peace.